0: Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Uh, Thank you for listening today. Uh, Go check out reallifepharmacology.com, snag a free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Uh, Great little study guide if you're going through board exams, uh, pharmacology exams, final exams, things like that, so uh, definitely don't hesitate to snag that for free. Uh, simply an email. Uh, we'll get you access to that. And then, of course, we'll get you updates on when we've got new podcasts out, which are usually on a, a weekly basis, uh, as well as any other new content as well. So again, reallifepharmacology.com. Go check that out. All right, so let's talk about the drug of the day today, uh, cetirizine. Brand name of this medication is Zyrtec. Uh, it is classified as an antihistamine. So I have covered some antihistamines in the the past, um, particularly more so some of the first-generation antihistamines, such as hydroxyzine, uh, diphenhydramine. Now, cetirizine differs from those in that it is classified as a second-generation antihistamine. And the biggest thing uh, with second generation antihistamines, and I'll get into it when I talk about adverse effects a little bit, uh, is they have generally less, uh, anticholinergic adverse effects. So that's definitely uh, a good thing because there's plenty of, of issues with that. If you've listened to the, uh, you know, Benadryl and the hydroxyzine, uh, podcasts in the, in the past. So, uh, being an antihistamine. Um, allergies is probably the primary reason that I'm going to see a patient on this for an extended period of time. Uh, Occasionally you see it used for itching, um, sometimes some acute allergic reactions in in rare situations. Um, More often I would say I see diphenhydramine used for a, a more serious allergic reaction to something. Um, But in general, for uh, seasonal allergies and things like that, you're probably going to see more um, second-generation antihistamines like cetirizine um, and loratadine, which I'll probably cover in a future episode. So mechanistically, um, understanding that they're they're antihistamines, uh, they essentially reduce activity binding of histamine um, at the H1 receptor. Now, remember that differs from H2 receptors. So again, H stands for histamine. So histamine 1 receptors, uh, we're more focused on on targeting the respiratory tract, obviously, if we're managing seasonal allergies. Now, H2 receptors are more abundantly found within the GI tract. And those uh, agents that are, are used to target H2 receptors are H2 blockers, so things like uh, famotidine, for example. So again, very important. Um, you know, I've seen that come come across in pharmacology exams and things like that. Understanding the difference between uh, the histamine one and histamine two receptors. Uh, dosing, I did want to mention briefly. In my practice, I, I see some uh, issues with this occasionally. Typically, for most adult patients, they're going to be taking 10 milligrams once a day. Uh, in more severe cases, I have seen uh, dose escalation uh, up above 10 milligrams. Most often, uh, if somebody does go higher, it's it's 10 milligrams twice a day. Um, typically, you know, I I get a little bit more concerned about the potential for uh, anticholinergic and, and sedative type adverse effects as we escalate that dose, um, but there have been a a few occasions where I have seen that higher dose utilized. Uh, Per the manufacturer recommendations, a maximum of five milligrams is actually recommended in patients uh, 77 years of age and older. Um, That's kind (laughs) of abnormal uh, cutoff there, Um, but it is something I have uh, addressed definitely in, in older patients, particularly Let's say they're using it for seasonal allergies. If it's really well controlled uh, and they're on 10 milligrams and they're an 85-year-old, for example, it's like, okay, you know, can we give it a shot and try down to five milligrams and see if it still works for you? I think that's a a reasonable thing to do uh, in a lot of patients there. Uh, If I'm recommending starting it or recommending it to a patient, Uh, That's over, you know, 77 or I guess, you know, around 80 or higher. Um, Five milligrams is probably where I'm going to recommend that they start uh, if they're um, taking something for for seasonal allergies there. Uh, Dosage forms, we've got a lot of options. You will see cetirizine um, used in in pediatric patients, um, definitely. So, you know, having liquid formulation, tablets, chewable tablets, having those multiple dosage forms can certainly be advantageous. Uh, adverse effects, I kind of alluded to a couple. Um, think about anticholinergic effects, uh, but with that said, the likelihood that, that you run into them is pretty low when we're using um, kind of our, our standard dosing. Uh, most often what I have seen with cetirizine is uh, patients get a little bit sleepy. And so, you know, I've I've definitely recommended maybe taking it at night, Um especially if patients are experiencing sedation. So that's something to, to definitely think about. Um, of the uh, second generation antihistamines, uh, fexofenadine and loratadine are a couple other examples. Um, Cetirazine probably is going to be uh, the most sedating of the uh, uh, multiple different Uh, Second generation antihistamines. Now, keep in mind, it is a dose dependent effect. So, if you're using a super high dose of another one compared to a low dose of cetirizine, that might not be true. But in general, um, cetirizine may be a little bit more uh, sedating than some of the others. And then, of course, you know, as you escalate dose, keeping in mind some of those anticholinergic effects, uh, dry eyes, dry mouth. Those are probably the ones that I've I've seen a little bit with cetirizine, if I'm if I have encountered. Um, anticholinergic effects, but uh, theoretically, you know, urinary retention, constipation, um, you know, confusion, CNS changes. All those can happen with satyrazine, but again, not incredibly likely that you' you're, you're going to run into that. Uh, monitoring parameters, so we don't have any labs to monitor, that's nice. Um, so really what you're going to do is is monitor symptoms. Um, probably monitor for adverse effects like sedation and dry mouth and things like that, but um, having the the no labs is certainly a nice thing. All right, so let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll finish up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like NAPLEX, BCPS, BCGP, ambulatory care, uh, MTM, Psychiatric certification. Uh, definitely go check out our study materials for those individual exams at meded101.com/store. Um, we've got a growing list of resources. I've been um, putting content together for well over six six years now, um, and and I think we've we've gotten some great feedback, and and we've really. Done our best to try to make the the package the most relevant possible and obviously help you prepare and and pass those exams. So, again, meded101.com/slash store. Uh, If you're a nurse, med student, dietitian, any other healthcare professional just looking to brush up on on pharmacology, pharmacotherapy, um, we've got lots of links to uh, audiobooks, Amazon books um, that can really be helpful in helping you uh, understand medications, medication safety. Um, you know, appropriate prescribing and, and things like that. So lots of case studies, case scenarios, and things that I've come across in my real life in various books there, uh, depending upon what you're looking for. So definitely go check out all those links, meded 101com store. All right, so wrapping up with drug interactions, fortunately, cetirizine, it's an over-the-counter agent. Um, fortunately, we don't have a ton of uh, drug interactions as far as the Uh, liver sip enzymes go so that's a nice thing that we don't have to worry about Um, the biggest concerns uh, that I run into so if you've got a patient that's presenting with uh, sedation or they're overly sedated certainly we got to think about some of these agents adding up and um, contributing to sedation so your opioids alcohol z drugs um you know, maybe older anticholinergics, things like that, um, with sedative properties could have additive potential. Uh, The other additive adverse effect is anticholinergic burden. Again, they aren't strongly anticholinergic, um, but if you've got a patient on, uh, you know, cogentin, oxybutynin, uh, tricyclic antidepressant, um, you know, maybe even inhaled anticholinergics, you might get an exacerbation or an additive type effect of, you know, dry mouth and dry eyes and, and some of those things. Again, depending upon the agent, depending upon the dose and, and kind of that cumulative effect. So definitely some things to, to look out for there as far as drug interactions go. Um, but it, uh, satirazine, avoiding the SIP enzymes is definitely a nice thing. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for today. If you enjoyed the show, found it helpful, leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, Go support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Uh, Obviously, it helps fund the podcast here and keep it free and educational for all to enjoy. And of course, share us with friends, colleagues, uh, students that may be working with you. um, Help them uh, expand their knowledge base and, and obviously Hopefully, the goal is to uh, improve medication safety for all. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up for today. Uh, If you want to reach out to me, comments, questions, anything, mededucation101 at gmail.com, or LinkedIn is probably the the social platform that I'm most active on, Eric Christensen, uh, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Take care. Hope you have a great rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently